do people still call you Miss Fagan they, these days, or do they go off the first name? What what do kids do these days? They usually they call me Miss or Miss Fagan, or if you're a male, it's Sir. Very respectful. Actually, no, my senior when you twelve leave school. They call me Kylie. Right. It's such a treat. Yeah, okay. Hi, Kylie. <laughs> yeah. Does that, does that sound weird? It must sound weird. Yeah, it does sound weird. And is that because you've built such a great relationship with them over the years? I think so. I think there's also that level of they want to demonstrate respect by using your full name as well. Welcome to Inside the Real Job with me, your host, Yenfu Chen. Get ready to explore the world of diverse careers while fascinating stories await. We'll delve into the pros and cons while witnessing ever-evolving industries. Join me as we connect with individuals from all walks of life, unveiling their secrets and navigating the dynamic world of work. Let's embark on this journey into the realm of real jobs. Why don't we go back to the start? Why did you become a teacher? I had some really inspiring teachers in high school, especially in the areas that I was most passionate about, being dance and the performing arts. So I was really fortunate in a comprehensive co-ed educational facility that I attended in high school to have some amazing leaders and mentors. I think I always felt like I wanted to be a teacher. These Teachers in particular opened my eyes to think, well, I could actually be a dance and performance, performing arts teacher. There a moment in time, life moment, whether it was in high school or whatever, you went, you know what, I reckon this is the way to go. I don't think it was one moment. It was probably a combination of moments. Um, Like all teachers, our teachers were really invested in extracurricular activities, which is something I believe I've taken into my own teaching practice now. So we were really involved in Rocker Steadford and dance ensembles and international tours and all these things that I believe that as a teacher, opening students' eyes up to what's outside the classroom is sometimes more valuable than what is actually inside the classroom. It work, they work together. And you said you like the whole art aspect of teaching, but mm-hmm. obviously you're classified as a high school teacher. Is there something that you went, I'm going to pursue the whole performing arts education first or was it education teaching first and then I'll fall into that or was that the main drive? I think the main drive was definitely I wanted to be a high school teacher, wanted to teach dance. And so then my high school dance teacher informed me about a course at UNSW, which was a Bachelor of Applied Arts in Dance and a Bachelor of Education. So then when I was at uni, you had to then do a second teaching subject, which was PD Health PE, so personal development, health and physical education. So I believe that to get a job in the education department that ultimately I'd sort of get a job in the PE department first as a PE teacher and then bring in dance and build the dance within the school. Right. Is that what you've actually did? Yeah, which is sort of I I finished university and then um, got offered a position or had to go for an interview and got a year position at the school. And I thought, I'll just stay here for a year, build some dance, and then I'll travel and I'll teach overseas. I actually loved the job and teaching so much. And it was so rewarding to see the students who, when I arrived, I only had this year 12 group. So my first year of teaching, I had year 12. And I started, so we started teaching in the January, February, they started. And then at the end, they got exceptional results. Dance tends to be smaller subject areas, but they all got really, really great results. So 
the teacher that I was covering decided to extend her leave. She didn't come back. Then they offered me permanent position. And I thought, okay, I'll accept this permanent position for a little while and then I'll go overseas. Well, I still have never taught overseas. (laughs) (laughs) But really, I feel that often people say to me, how can you have been, I've been in the same school for 23 years. Right. How can you have been in in the same school? And I just, every year, it's different. You're teaching different students. There's different teachers. You're meeting different parents. And you're really able to build on the things that you've established, the practices, the processes. I work with an amazing bunch of teachers and ex-students who actually come back to work on our, we do our school show. And for me, that's what fills my cup every day. And to start creating a show in another school now, it would just be impossible. But we've got a really great team made up of teachers, ex-students, and we create a fantastic opportunity for the school to perform in a professional theatre at NIDAS. Sounds like a massive production. It is a massive production. It's part of my job. I teach in the classroom dance. I teach PD Health PE as well as entertainment industry, which is a TAFE course, which is such a great opportunity. They leave with a qualification. So a lot of our entertainment industry students go into the industry and so working together in collaboration with with teachers and ex-students, they really get such an amazing experience working on our school show. Well, it sounds like teaching was the right path because yes. you've done it over for 23 years at yes. the same school. And in terms of uni, can you maybe just explain what was that like? Was that, is that a three-year degree or four? It was a long time ago, but <laughs> it was a four-year course. So it was a Bachelor of Applied Arts majoring in dance and a Bachelor of Education. And I really loved university. I think coming straight from school on the bus and the train and heading out to different campuses, meeting lots of different like-minded people with a passion for the art, particularly dance. And I've actually remained in contact with a lot of those teachers now that that becomes your professional network. And most of us, we're all still teaching. So I really think that you're born a teacher. And I still, after all of this time, I absolutely love going to work. I love being in the classroom. I love teaching. And I'm not sure how many professions you could say that, especially dealing with teenagers for (laughs) for that. But teenagers are awesome. I think people often ask me, why didn't you do primary school teaching? And I'm thinking, I just do not have the patience for can you do my shoelace, miss? I need to go to the toilet. Yeah, right, okay. (laughs) I just think high school teaching, if you're thinking about high school teaching, it's such a rewarding profession. And going back to the uni part, is it different if you want to do primary versus high school or is it like the first two years it's just the core subjects that every teacher goes through and then over the last couple of years you then select your electives or your majors? So I'm not sure about primary school teaching, but with high school teaching, dance Our dance knowledge was sort of embedded throughout the four years. We definitely had to do education subjects. I remember being mortified. We had to do a subject, anatomy and physiology and kinesiology, and it was the only subject in my four years of university that I failed. Um, We were with first-year med student, and the intensity, I was so used to being 
a mover and then all of a sudden having to understand and learn origins and insertions of muscles. And so I think people often have said to me, oh, what are you doing at uni? You're just dancing at uni. That is absolutely was never the case. We were expected to do really vigorous mental work and that understanding dances as an athlete. So learning, we did units on nutrition, pedagogy, yeah, right. how to teach. So there's a lot to it. It's, and it's funny, my, my students, my senior year 12 students now will say to me, Miss, people don't realize how hard dance is. It's one of my hardest subjects. And any student that studies HSE, PD Health PE will say the same. It's very science-based as well, how the body moves. So I think there's a lot of misconceptions about teachers, but I think misconceptions, especially for me being a dance teacher, it's not just the performance component. Dance, we do three components. So again, referring back to uni, we did have to learn how to physically perform how to choreograph and compose. And then there's an aspect or a component called appreciation where we learn how to and we teach students how to analyse and appreciate dance as an art form. So it really is quite intense course, but I think the students love it. It's any student that studies a whether it be dance or music or drama, that drug and alcohol-free high, which I think is so important. Students just, that feeling of being on stage or the adrenaline that pumps through you when you're performing, there's nothing quite like that in the world. And whether or not you grasp that energy through sport or dance or whatever fills your cup or inspires you, but I just am such an advocate for children finding or students finding what makes them feel good and trying to foster that that's really important to me. Yeah, definitely. And what you said about the whole physical and mental uh, requirement going through uni, where it's, people think university is just all mental. So we were doing dance classes every day. We might start the day with a ballet class or a contemporary class or an Afro or a jazz or a hip hop. And then we would go into lectures and do different lectures for whatever we needed to do. And then you'd have tutorials. Sometimes we were with the PD Health PE students the dancers always love that because they're always the fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess I just loved moving. I just liked being active and that's something I've taken throughout my life just to, to be active. The thought of sitting at a desk and not moving, I throughout the year I'm involved in HSE marking, which is a really great professional development opportunity that teachers can um, accept. But I just sitting at a desk for a month, even though it's fantastic watching students perform for their HSC, I couldn't do it all the time sitting down. We're movers. <laughs> no, fair enough. And I'm sure you've had new teachers come in over the time. Mm. Has that uni aspect been harder now? Because it sounded like it was quite, as you said, it was intense. So I can only imagine it being even more intense these days with all the science behind the physical, how the body moves, what's mm. required from a nutrition value. Mm. Do you know if that's sort of increased I or is this very similar? I don't I'm not sure. I can let you know. We actually have a I have a practicum student starting tomorrow and she's spending four weeks at the school as a dance PD, PD health PE teacher. So I will actually be interested to mm. see and to have that conversation. I think it's really important as a teacher to keep afresh and abreast with new procedures and I learn as much from the practicum student as I hope that they learn from me with my teaching experience and I really enjoy mentoring and having students 
come into the classroom, even though I'm observing them and giving them feedback about how they could probably manage students better in a classroom. But I just think I learn just as much from them, which I think is really important as a teacher. I always say to the students, I don't know everything. Mm. You're teaching me. I'm teaching you. Let's respect each other. And teachers that have that philosophy are great teachers. We're just learning from each other. Yeah, totally. I agree. In terms of when you're saying new teachers coming in, can you tell us what was your first day like? I I was excited, really excited. I think I was freaking out maybe a little bit because I wasn't that much older than my year 12s. So I was early 20s and I'm teaching students three, four years younger than me. So, and I was driving to school, I just got my P's. And I remember being mortified thinking, oh my goodness, what if students see me with P plates on my car? So that was what, well, and I think at that stage when I first started teaching, I think I felt like I had to know everything, but that has definitely evolved. And even now when I'm teaching, I'll have a mind lapse of how do I spell that word? And the student, and we'd work it out together or I'll be like, that's right. So I think that, yes, I was freaked out, excited, nervous. But as soon as I was in the classroom, I just knew that I'd found the job for me and I just loved it. I didn't love all of it. <laughs> I remember in my first year of teaching, it was probably my first month of teaching. This is a bit random, but I had a student actually accuse me of something which was horrific and I just then questioned if I'd made the right decision with teaching. I was mentored by some fantastic experienced teachers who assured me that unfortunately this sort of thing happens all the time. I'd actually confiscated a child's Walkman, remember that's how old I am, (laughs) and she had accused me of hitting her head against the wall when I confiscated that Walkman, which was totally fake and false. And she did go, once interviewed, she did go and say, oh, I just made that bit up. But I think students sometimes don't realise that making things up because they're grumpy with a teacher can actually be such a detriment to that teacher's career how that teacher feel. I didn't, it was awful. I just was so inspired to teach. And then I just felt incredibly vulnerable and attacked. And I just couldn't believe that a student would lie like Mm. that. So, and it's interesting, I've actually spoken recently to a few colleagues and it seems that within the first year of teaching, all teachers I know have been confronted with an issue that has shaped how they then maybe present or how they then, it's learning, isn't it? You just think, what could I have done differently in that situation? And I don't know actually if I could have done anything. I think some maybe, you know, it was a school rule. So really I was I was following rules. You can't use your discman when you should be listening or walkman when you should be in class. But following the rules, the school was really supportive and it was just a very confronting lesson for me to learn so early on that. And now, especially with child protection, which is so important, I always say to new teachers, don't teach with the door shut. Keep your door open. Don't don't put yourself in a position where students or parents can find a way to accuse you of something. You have to be in totally transparent and very cross the T's and dot the I's, which is important, I guess, in any profession. 
But I think that's something I've really noticed in the last sort of maybe 10, 15 years. But honestly, as I mentioned, in all my years of teaching, and that happened within my first month of teaching, that's been the only thing. Really? So, I mean, students, students and parents probably more and more may complain about maybe marks or that there's no way their child would have done that. But I think that if you maintain a very good register, <laughs> a very good diary, so I keep a very tight record in terms of any contact I have with parents or teachers that stated if I've issued child um, some feedback or an assignment, quite often I'll get them to sign to say, yes, they've received that because students might say, oh, I never got that back. I didn't know that. So I think it's just following processes and procedures to ensure that you don't, or if you do get put in that position, you've got evidence or facts to go, well, actually, that's incorrect. Again, it doesn't happen a lot, but I think that teachers within the profession, we need to be really mindful and careful of your own well-being as well. And do you feel like you've been doing that throughout your whole time because of that incident or was that more probably in the last five years or so? I think I've always maintained a register or record of different situations in the classroom. I mean, I can only speak for public education because that's the area that I've worked in. There's a record keeping online service that if you call home or if you feel that there's a bit of a situation with a student or you keep a record online, which is really helpful as well. It's helpful in terms of if you teach a child, you can sort of get onto this online school system and see how they're going in other areas because that's really important. I think good teachers, you're working not only with the student, but parents and other teachers to make sure that that child gets the best possible educational outcomes for them. And there's so many well-being aspects as well. I mean, teachers are not just teachers. We're nurses, we're parents, we're carers. I'm very mindful that sometimes in the morning in my roll call class that I'm the first person sometimes that they may have seen that morning, parents leaving for work early. So I sort of set the scene, I hope, for the student's day in a positive way and be very mindful. I can tell if a student is a little bit quieter than usual or I might say, are you okay? Is everything all right? Or, And I think teachers are pretty intuitive. They'll sense when students aren't themselves and then you can either take on board trying to assist with whatever they need or schools do have counsellors or year advisors or wellbeing teams where you might take the child or suggest that they go and get help if that's what they need. So it's honestly the most exhausting profession, as I mentioned before, incredibly rewarding and, and that's why we, we need our holidays. <laughs> yeah, totally. I would have to agree. I think as a parent, everyone always says being a parent is the hardest job. But I think being that teacher, you're dealing with the students for most of the day. So, yeah, it's definitely tough. So credit to yourself and the other teachers. In terms of the incident that occurred in your first year, let, let's move into the classroom. Do you get yelled at or did you get yelled at? And how did you overcome no. it? So I, within my first year of teaching, maintained a relatively firm but fair and consistent approach to my classes. I'm sure a lot of my junior classes, well, they have often, my seniors now say, Miss, we were not scared, but you were really strict and we knew where we stood. So every day your rules didn't change. They were the same rules. And I think students appreciate that. They like boundaries. So I would, especially my juniors, line them up outside. Within the first term or first couple of terms, 
and set the rules. If you would like to contribute to discussion, put your hand up everywhere, respect everybody. At the beginning of every year, I'm probably a lot stricter and then you can ease up. You can't go in light and fluffy because then you've got nowhere to go. So quite often now with my teaching practice, the students, I can just wait and stop and then they're being accountable. They're telling each other to sort of be quiet, Mrs. Waiting. So, but that's a learnt behaviour. I think you really need to establish what sort of environment you would like or what's important to you as a teacher and for the students to know what you expect. And they always rise to those expectations. And I, did you, sorry, oh, sorry. No, you're My right. only rule I always say at the beginning of the year is when I'm talking or somebody else is talking in the class, you're not, you're listening. And I say to them, that's my only rule. And I start off the year with saying to them that my first lesson with every class is right now you have an A. What you choose to do with that is entirely up to you. And you can see some of the students go, what do you mean? I have an A on my report. And I said, well, yes, if you apply yourself, if you do your best, if you get your work completed, you'll maintain that A. So I think that that's really important to sort of make them feel a little bit empowered. There's a quote I often think about with dealing with students that if you tell students that they'll forget, if you teach students, they'll remember, if you involve them, they learn. And so I'm a very big quote person for motivation. And with my seniors, I often give them a daily quote or little quotes and they say, oh, miss, they've they've stuck around our room or our study area. I hope my legacy is that I've had inspired teachers, sorry, inspired students and hopefully inspired some teachers as well to be teaching. Actually, I've had a student, a teacher came into the class the other day and I taught this teacher, which makes me feel very old. And she said to my class, she said, did you know, miss, was the reason I became a teacher? So I guess those things are incredibly rewarding to hear that sort of thing that students have become a teacher because of you, yeah. which is a why I became a teacher, mm. isn't it? I think everybody has one teacher or hopefully more that they remember from high school. I often, I, be, I do believe that everyone has one or two teachers that have inspired them in some way. And that's where the role of a teacher in life is just, I think, invaluable. Yeah, totally. And what you were saying, setting those expectations from the start, how did you learn to do that? Was that through time, great mentorship, or was it just you made a few mistakes and you're at, right, next year I'm going to be doing this? I had some great mentors during my prac. So when I was at uni, you expected to go out on prac, and I watched and I observed and I went and watched different teachers in different faculty areas, so not just my area, and I looked at how teachers managed classrooms and I just wanted to be like that. I just feel so passionate about my subject area that I wanted students to be able to listen and learn. And they can only do that in a classroom if you've established expectations and boundaries and what you want to achieve with those students. I I often say to my seniors, what do you want? What do you want to achieve? What is your goal? I can help you and guide you and support you and hopefully inspire you. But I think it's really important to to ask the students, what do they want to achieve? And then our role is to help guide them to do their best. And not every student will approach it like that. I think that 
sometimes I find one of the challenging aspects of my job and it's really frustrating is when students are disruptive in the classroom and that student when students' behavior impacts other people learning. How you establish your classroom and the environment that you establish, the expectations that you set, as well as ensuring that you follow school policies and school rules. And that could be different in every school. But I think if you as a teacher are consistent in your expectation, then, and that refers to when I was talking before about being firm and strict, but then easing up, it's important that the students know that your rules on Monday are the same as your rules on Friday and that there's negative consequences if you do the wrong thing, but I'm the first one to be your cheerleader in terms of if you do the right thing and there's positive reinforcements. High school students are still not too old for those scratch and sniff stickers. I love scratch and really? sniff stickers. So it's 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 funny actually, the more challenging students I teach when I see them do something great or even themselves, they'll say to me, Miss, do you think I could get a scratch and sniff? I'm like, <laughs> I think that is scratch and sniff worthy. Yes, you can. So those little things I think in the classroom really help motivate the students to do really well. And generally, all students want you to be proud of them. There's good in every student. I often think, right, it's my job to unpack what this student is good at or how I can help foster that talent or direct that energy or say to them, there's this that's come up. I think you'd be great to do that or come on this excursion and really foster and encourage and inspire students to follow whatever path that they're interested in. And it may not just be dance or performing arts. That's my passion, but helping them with whatever they want to do maybe in their life. And that ability to help your students or identify that something might be wrong again is that just through your time and experience because you've had different scenarios where you've learned those problems and you've identified it so you know what to do next time or is it just something that you felt like you've always had a bit of a knack for i think that there's definitely some key qualities perhaps and skills that going into teaching or education i would recommend or I think are really important. Not only are there personal characteristics, I think that to be a teacher, you need to be a good communicator, a good listener, approachable, friendly, durable, really adaptable and have resilience. But I also think that university teaches you pedagogy characteristics. So people can learn how to teach, but I do believe that there's a certain personality, I think, sure. that are really great teachers in the classroom. I think that if you think, oh, I'll just go to uni, I'll just do teaching, then perhaps you need to rethink your career. Great teachers are passionate, like I said, about their subject area. And students often say to me, Miss, we love your classes because we can tell that you love what you do. And I would be a hopeless science teacher, science or, or maths. Oh my goodness. Whenever I get a cover lesson for maths and I walk in and go, oh, oh, five, six, seven, eight, that's as good as my maths is. <laughs> but yeah, so I guess it's finding your passion. It's honestly the best job. Mm. And over the years, we mentioned just previously how things have changed. How much has things changed from when you started in supporting teenagers to what is it now? These days, there's a lot about mental health, there's a lot of pressure on kids these days. How have you adapted to that? I think that the basics are the same. So you still are teaching students in the classroom. I think post-COVID and online learning, 
I mean, that was horrendous, to be honest, teaching as a parent, trying to help my own children at home and then teaching classroom online. There's definitely a lot more mental health and well-being aspects, but also there's fantastic teachers and educators who most schools have a counsellor on site all week. The year advisors who are teachers who look after the year do an amazing job to ensure that students are okay. That aspect has definitely gotten harder, not only for teachers and students. Based on that, there's a lot of support or independent support Mm. that the school offers, like counsellors. But over the last couple of years, have you had to go on courses or anything to get yourself understanding mental health so that you can be a better teacher or do they offer that? I definitely do what I know based on experience and supporting students in the classroom. And quite often as a PD Health PE teacher, we're teaching these topics within the classroom, whether or not it's about healthy eating or living or mental health. So students will come to you. As a faculty, I feel like we quite often have students that come to us and then it's a matter of us helping them and guiding them to get the best help wherever that might be whether or not it's appropriate to contact parents or additional external support. I see that it's really important to not only work with the students, but the facilities within the school, as well as the external support. And our teachers, like your responsibilities obviously have changed over time. What do you see in five years time? A student is a student. They all still have the same problems. Student is a student. I think some students have changed. I think parents have changed and I'm a parent, as parents, we want to sometimes protect our children and maybe want to think that they're perfect angels, which is not the case. So I do think that what has changed is sometimes when you maybe contact parents and they don't perhaps believe what you're saying, hence probably why I then have gone to the students, can you sign this? My child said you didn't actually give her an assignment. And I say, well, on here it is dated and your child signed that. So I guess from experience, I've learned that sometimes, again, not all parents, three quarters of the parents I deal with are absolutely fantastic. But some parents, if they can find an excuse of why their daughter or son have not handed in an assignment, they'll do that. Well, that's not building resilience, is it? That's mm. And that's what we try to as educators instill in our students to, to bounce back and, and to accept and be responsible and say, okay, miss, I'm sorry. Yes, I didn't do it. Is it okay if I hand it in here or what can I do? So that for me is what I try to teach in my classroom is we all make mistakes. Let's learn from that. What should you have done? Have you got a diary? How are you managing your time? So it's those skills, as I said, as a teacher, we're teaching time management. We're teaching organisation. We're contacting parents if we've seen students who were really organised at the beginning of the year are less organised at the end of the year. It's reminding them in the classroom, get your school diary out. Actually, one thing I did think of, you mentioned before, the biggest thing change, it's only relatively new, is mobile phones. Mobile phones going in pouches, some schools or I have really noticed in the last couple of weeks the amount of physical activity that's been on the oval and kids are playing more sports and talking to each other. And so I think that is absolutely a fantastic initiative. And I said to the students, oh, has it been hard? Have you noticed a change? And they said, no, we didn't even notice. And I'm thinking 
There you go for something that really a lot of any parent will tell you or teacher, a lot of students who have had their heads in phones, they haven't really noticed. And, and that's been a really great, I think, a positive change. That's really good. And what about in the classroom from a focus perspective? Here in the media these days, kids can't focus. They can only f- focus for a short period. So it has A, kids, I guess, concentration lacked over the years and what have you done to adapt that change? I think as a teacher you need to have a variety of methods within your classroom so gone of the days perhaps where as a student I would go to a class in my high school maybe and there was a bit more chalk and talk you you sat there the teacher wrote on the board with chalk and you just took notes and you listened and then you left. I think that proactive teachers and teachers now there's maybe a little bit of teacher direction initially this is what we're doing. There might be more student-centered work. There might be group work. There might be activities looking at different student abilities in your classroom and thinking about, and this comes down to, again, lesson preparation, how your students might best work. And again, that changes with the year group. Generally, as students get older, you can do more intensive discussions and they are amazing. Like some of the things that our students are considering and thinking and processing they're amazing in terms of their ideas and their beliefs. And then you use that information or you use that data to really inform how you can best practice or how you can teach them to get the best out of them. And I think changing things up all the time, I feel that in terms of professional development and professional learning, you need to, and hence why having prac students is really helpful, you need to keep up to date, you need to keep relevant because otherwise... uh, They'll eat you alive, those students. Yeah, right. (laughs) You need to just be on top of teaching practices. Okay. Teaching teenagers keeps you young at heart as well? Yes. Yeah, I would assume because you're obviously, you are up to date with the newest trend. That's one way you stay relatable. How other ways do you stay relatable in that classroom so you can continue to build that great relationship that you have with your kids? I think that, as you said, it comes then back to relationship building. That's, again, one of the the highlights for me is it's such a privilege to educate and the relationships that you build within that classroom. For some of my students have become everlasting relationships. I feel that as a teacher, you never stop being a teacher. I'm still mentoring students that left my classroom 15, 20 years ago. So I think that every child, you are trying to find the best in that child, but also what they're good at or what they're interested in. I remember teaching a really naughty student in year nine, and I then found out that she rides horses and I love riding horses. And so since we made that connection, she absolutely loves, Miss, have you been riding this weekend? Or we have that common interest and that common thread. And I think that that's really important in terms of that relationship building. And once you've established the relationships, I guess that comes back down to behavior in the classroom. You generally don't have a lot of issues with classroom management or behavior from disruptive students because you've built a relationship. And I think that probably is one of my strengths as a teacher is building relationships, setting those expectations, setting a dynamic learning environment, but maintaining relationships. 
and asking students in roll call about their weekend and how they are. And students are excited to tell you. So I think that that probably keeps me young or interested, or they might say, Miss, have you heard this new track by the weekend? I'm like, oh, okay. It's not the weekend I just had. It's actually a band or a, a singer. So it's it's keeping that it's keeping that interaction. I love that they are interested and tell me what they've seen or what they've learned. As a new teacher, listen to your students, get to know your students, ask them questions, be interested, be curious. I always say to students or teachers, be curious. And I think that's a really lovely life lesson as well as an adult. I teach my own children, be curious in life, be a lifelong learner, find what inspires you and do it. Don't stop believing. Nice. We spoke about the challenges you faced in the classroom with students, the mental health, the focus aspect, and you also mentioned dealing with parents has changed over the years. What other challenges do you face? I think that there's definitely parts of our job which are expected, playground duty, marking, report writing, lesson planning, but the level of administration that is required from us. So I was referring before about documentation. Like I could be teaching all day. I Some of my lessons I'm before school and then I might be on playground duty and reaching out if I feel like I need to reach out to a parent or contact a parent because I'm concerned about their child or for whatever reason. It's just, it's the lack of time to be able to do that. Even it's all the sort of administration paperwork that I feel that gets in the way sometimes of your planning. Things like organizing an excursion and excursions are so important because they, they should and they do add value to whatever you're teaching in the classroom. But the amount of work and risk management forms, liaising with buses, finances, so working out how much things cost, getting tickets organized, it's another job in itself. So those kind of administration things, hopefully within the next couple of years, they find a way to make those things less tedious. And I know, unfortunately, a lot of teachers now don't organize excursions because of the paperwork, which is for me a real shame. I think, especially in my subject area, it's so important that students sit in a theater and appreciate dance or art or musical. We took some students to go and see Wicked a couple of weeks ago, and it's the first time any of them had been in a professional theatre. I take students on an annual Melbourne dance tour, and it's the first time some of them, just seniors we take, year 11 and 12, that they've been on a plane. So for me, it's really important. One of my students now is actually at VCA, so Victorian College of the Arts, in the dance degree there, and she said, Miss, I would have never have known that this even existed if you hadn't have taken me to Melbourne. So that sort of thing drives me to ensure that regardless of the level of admin, all teachers, we do not stop working and thinking about our students of how we can get the best out of them. As I said, the admin has increased, but teachers still do it. We still want to give everything to all of our students all the time. One of the questions I always ask people is, tell me a success story, but I think you've shared so many, which is fantastic. What about success within yourself? When did you realize, I'm in the right job, I love what I'm doing? I think I felt like that from day dot. And I think I even felt like that when I've had deal with challenging and frustrating situations. Being able to work with students and see them come out the other side in a positive way, seeing them graduate in year 12 and embrace you with such elation and joy and thanks it's really hard actually seeing them leave year 12 they 
they, they become your little ducklings. I always feel like at work, I'm the mother duck with my little feet under the water paddling as fast as I can, but trying to maintain that level of calm above the surface. And I, every, every year, well, I, I generally around April, I give to my seniors a little duck and they put it on their exam. They put it on their desk at home where they're studying. And last year I had my year 12s present me with duck slippers. And I just think it's a really lovely little analogy, I guess, for students to know that our little feet are all under the surface, pedaling, pedaling, but it's just such a rewarding profession. Seeing my students on the stage in theatres recently, I had an ex-student performer in Miss Saigon at the Opera House, visiting students, as I mentioned, at VCA or, or even students that have gone into other fields like nursing, like education, got students that are lecturers at universities who are still traveling the world and will send me a message and say, Miss, I got this gig, I'm on this show and look out for me or very rewarding. Yeah. And based off our conversation, you can tell you definitely love it and why you've been in the same school in your role for so long. So can we wrap it up by one last question? If someone wants to become a teacher, what are your tips to be successful and have such a long career like yourself? I think that you need to establish a bit of a balance, a work health life balance. So that's really important as a teacher. So I try to do a bit of exercise maybe in the morning if I'm not teaching before school, but doing something for you, trying not to take what's happened during the day home. Fortunately for me, I have to travel about 40 minutes to get to work. So I find that within that time, I try to switch off and I try to, it's really hard, leave work at work. But I think as a new teacher, I'd be saying, make sure that you look after yourself, that you surround yourself with teachers or a network of, of people that inspire and motivate you. And you do have really hard and challenging and difficult days sometimes in the classroom to know that you're not alone and there's always people that you can reach out to as a teacher. I still have my teacher wellbeing box at home where whenever a student gives me a thank you card or anything, I have a little box at home, which I've had since probably even when I was at university and maybe teaching outside of, of school in my part-time jobs. But it's really nice to, if I am having those down days, oh, why am I, I can't keep doing this forever, going through the box and just thinking and reading how articulate and kind students are and how much of a difference you have made to their life. Even though sometimes you don't think it, students will surprise you. I mean, quite often I've had students arrive to the staff room with a thank you card and I have never thought that this one child in my year eight class, I really impacted. This one in particular, I remember she said, you just, you always listen to me, miss. So as a new teacher, be curious with your students, listen to your students and be kind. Great finish. Thank you, Kyle. That was really insightful. And again, as I said, the passion is just amazing. So thank you for your time. Thank you, Yen. 
Don't know about you, I was inspired by my conversation with Kylie. I witnessed her incredible dedication to her role as a teacher, driven by her passion for supporting her students. Her commitment to mentoring and guiding young minds through the challenges of teenage life is truly praiseworthy. Being a teacher like Kylie, you will face difficulties, especially interactions with both parents and students. However, if you're seeking a stable career and the chance to positively influence young adults and the next generation, it's an incredible fulfilling path. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for tuning in and make today a good news day.